Good evening, everybody. We are here on the 56th, 56th Q&A and uh, final one for this month. By tomorrow, another month is over. Two months are over. Ten days, ten months left. We just thank God hmm. for bringing us all together, taking us through each day in the midst of the mess the world is in. But hmm. he's been good. He's been faithful. Amen. So this evening we have loads of questions. We probably will be able to address just a few, two or three. And we'll go to the important ones that really concern people and the theological things. I mean, just things which are not like what we call in diseases, life threatening. <laughs> we leave those aside for another day. But before we look into the questions, people need comfort. People need strength. People need hope. People need a word from the Lord that will lift up their hearts. Mm. So, Father, this evening we just come to you. We commit this time into thy hands, O Lord. We pray, Lord, we will be just chants of your truth and of your grace. That the word of God, the answers we have, is true to your word and true to your spirit. That it comforts and strengthens your people, heals your people, delivers your people from the lies of the enemy which he has planted in the minds of people. Deliver us, Lord. For you said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Help us, Lord, to speak, understand and live the truth. So that we can be free, Lord. We commit this time and all the hearers into thy hands, Lord. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. It's supposed to put that easy on, no? if you need it. The first question we look at, Pastor, is the question number six. Um, it says, uh, do you ever get fed up with living a Christian life? Okay, I'll answer that first. I actually get fed up not living a Christian life. <laughs> the struggle is basically between these two lives. Exactly. A Christian oh. life and a non-Christian life. And we actually, when you become a believer, the struggle is with the life you live, which you know does not agree with scripture. Exactly. You struggle with that. We don't get fed up with living a Christian life because <coughs> you can hear, right? Because uh, you have peace absolute peace. When you are, when you know you are right with God, there is always peace, irrespective of circumstances. But actually, we get fed up when you are being unchristian in your walk. That's what we get fed up with. And then the second one, uh, second part of the same question says, I'm only at peace when I hear the word daily and your wife praying daily. Why is that? We all have a, do we all have a different DNA? None of us are the same. Do you get tired of preaching to us daily and encouraging us daily? Does your wife get tired praying daily? Or both of you just work on the anointing every day, every day and that keeps you going? I mean, uh, if you turn to Luke chapter 17 and verse 10. Luke 17 and verse 10. We are living in extraordinarily difficult times. Understand that. Like we are living in, spiritually speaking, all Christians agree, we are living in unprecedentedly hostile, for the first time the whole world has turned hostile to genuine Christianity. Mm. So we're living in unprecedented times. 
And it is the Christians, like in the church of Laodicea, not, sorry, the church in Philadelphia, who's got their back against the world. Laodicea is fine, because they have compromised with the world, and they don't even realize they are at the verge of being spewed out of the Lord's mouth if they don't repent. But Laodicea is always under under attack. So, there is something which the Lord says over there. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say that we are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. Mm. And times like this, like for me, especially looking at all our churches in so many places, they need help. Simple reason is most of our people have literally come off the streets, come off the prisons. All the people have come off really, really a life for which they came out. Salvation probably in every case is absolutely genuine. They have come through unbelievable backgrounds wherever they were placed, you know, and therefore they need help. Mm-hmm. And they are under attack. Churches are under attack, whether it's in the Middle East or whether it is in other nations where we have churches. They are under attack, and it's my duty God-given duty that, you know, during these unprecedented times, we have to encourage and pray for them daily. Because we are experiencing all said and done a relative time of peace. We are not directly under attack like they are under attack. We have a semblance of peace. And uh, when we are at peace, the Bible encourages us to remember those who are in prison. Hmm. It's our duty. So that's 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 why we do. And it is not easy. It is not easy. Of course, physically it is tiring, but spiritually it is not. Physical, we have limitations, but I personally see this as my duty because the Lord has commanded us to stand in the gap. When we are preaching about building the walls and standing in the gap in the breach, we have to do it personally too. And uh, we know the churches look forward, all the pastors tune in, and they are waiting for every day. And it's, that's why we put it for their convenience. And you know, for them, it is uh, our morning is their night, is their night in other parts of the world. Everybody tunes in, all the people tune in, and they listen. So, And when I see that, people say they wait and they're encouraged to know, because we need that, we need that. All of us need that. I mean, we personally, we don't wake up and we study the word of God and spend time with God and we do not pray. Our day is gone. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. we don't realize it's a day of defeat and a day of failure and discouragement and depression. So that's why we spend our time with God. And once we got that from personally, we come back and give it to the rest of the people. That's our duty. As servants of God, as pastors, it's our duty to pray to preach and to pray. And Acts chapter 6, verse 4, Four. the apostles made it very continually. clear. Continually given over to the ministry of prayer and to the ministry of the word. Continually they were given over to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's that's our call and that's what we do. We have to give over. And of course, maybe GTC Hyderabad doesn't listen so much because they are living in times of peace. But when trouble comes, they will wish that we had listened mm. because you prepare for the day of evil. And on the day of evil, if you haven't prepared, you will not be able to stand when that hour comes. You don't prepare on the day of evil. You prepare before the day of evil. Mm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Let's go to serious questions. Yes, Pastor. So we have some questions which are very, very painful. Mm. Uh, I think we can start with question number two, or we can yeah. look at question number one as well, if you want. Okay, yeah. Do you think we are living in the end times? Mm. Evil is good and good is evil. More abortions, more extramarital affairs, more bestiality. Mm. 
This is getting worse every day. Is it wrong to pray Maranatha, come Lord Jesus? Do you think we will ever get closer to God and hear from him clearly every day? Is that possible? So much of nonsense cannot trust a Christian anymore. Why does God allow all this to happen to babes in Christ like us? Like us. Okay. It's, but every age was bad. Only thing, it gets worse. And the Bible says that if you turn to first, uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. Verse 18. You know? Little children, this is the last hour. If that was the last hour, then we are living in the last minutes. Seconds, yeah. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. A is capital there. Mm-hmm. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that this is the last hour. How do we know it is the last mm-hmm. hour? What are the signs of the last hour? One, hour? one of the thing is that it is the Antichrist. Okay? Mm-hmm. Anti Christian, anti-Christ ideologies and powers will start taking over the world. Mm. Okay, and that's what we're seeing in the Christian mm. world, in the so-called within quotes Christian world. Like it's, like it's completely taken over by forces which are very antithetical to uh, the original scripture mm. and the word of God and Christianity. So we are living in those last days. And the Bible was very clear in those last days what will happen. It will be perilous times. Terrible times in the last days. It will be terrible times. So we are living. And all these things which has been described, it's just a symptom of it. Mm. So then the question asks is, is it wrong to pray Maranatha come Lord Jesus? It is always wrong not to pray <laughs> Maranatha come Lord Jesus. <laughs> but it's not got to do with our trouble. Mm. It's not got to do with trouble. Then it will be more like, a, let us say, a girl who lives in a hostile family. Her husband, father is alcoholic and abuse you and violent and she's praying Lord send me a man who will marry me and rescue me from this mm-hmm. house we are not in a rescue mission mm-hmm. that is not what we are praying for we are praying because we love Long longing to, for him yeah, Maranatha come Lord Jesus when Paul says in so, Corinthians, First Corinthians is connected with uh, with with love if anyone does okay? not love mm-hmm. he says if anyone does not love Christ Jesus okay 21, 16, 22, 16, 22. Okay. 16, 20. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, okay. That is the reason. Why does Rebecca want to go immediately to go to Isaac? It's because that's what she's been longing for. Mm. And it's not that she lives in a hostile home. No. It is a different thing. So that's why we, 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 Pray Maranatha Lord. But we are living in terrible times. I do not know how much time. Unless something happens, something has to break soon. If something doesn't break soon, uh, there are two sides of it. Okay, two so I am not a prophet of that mantle. I don't know. I'm just waiting to see which way it breaks. If it doesn't break, then we are moving towards the end. If it breaks, then God is going to give an incredible lease of harvest gathering and then the end will come. The gospel will reach the ends of the earth. There will be a reaping of souls like never before. And then God will hand over the world into the Antichrist. So that those who did not believe can enjoy their time with him. Hmm. Okay, so it is difficult times, terrible times. But people who will survive are the ones who are rooted in the word of God and know how to trust God day by day. Amen. Yes. Also another painful question. It says, dealing with death is also a very painful and difficult process. I know His grace is sufficient. 
When your husband is shot dead and you escape this, we were together at the gas station and we were filling gas. He was shot dead and I saw it. This is very painful. I started going crazy. I had to be under the Baker under Act. The, under the Baker Act into a Looney Tune, you know, to a Looney Tune hospital. Oh boy. I come out and I still struggle. It has been five years. Can you suggest what I can do to be at peace? Peace. Oh Lord. Yeah, this is basically, I mean, you went through trauma and uh, they put you into this hospital. But honestly, we thank God for all these hospitals and all, but they cannot deal with that trauma. All they can do is basically sedate you. See, when, when it goes deep within, what you need is deliverance. What you need is deliverance. What happens is the... When the, when you talk about a psychiatrist or a psychologist, the term they use is psyche and psyche is basically the mind. But this goes beyond that into your spirit. And the psychology and psychiatry has got nothing, cannot touch the spirit. Only the word of God and the spirit of God yes. can. Yes. That's why the Bible says the word of God is like a two-edged sword which goes beyond the dividing of the soul and no psychologist can do that. So we need the word of God and we need the spirit of God. And that's the only only two people we have that can deliver us from trauma. So you have to go to the word of God and find your comfort in it. And you have to ask the Holy Spirit to deliver you. Ultimately, you have to believe what the word of God says. And I hope your husband was a believer. And if so, he's safe. He's, he's separated from you physically, but he's safe. He's safe. And leave it to, leave it to God. Because sometimes we do not know who is saved and who is not saved. So secret things belong to God. The second thing, you have to go back to God and receive that healing. For he came to heal the broken hearted. That's mm. the first statement Jesus makes about the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. And you have to go to those fundamentals and ask the spirit of God, Lord, this is here, this is what I am. Mm. I need you to heal me. I need, and if there is a healing minister, a healing ministry somewhere over there, you can, or just listen to even our own prayers at different times where we pray, and God can just, God can just heal you. Like today we had a ministry here in the end, we were praying, and three people who had COVID wrote back saying that they are out. Mm-hmm. Out of the, out of the symptoms, out of it immediately. It depends upon. Like another three are sick with COVID, and another three got. I mean, it, 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 God is not judging anybody. But the question is that faith does work. Faith does work. The whole thing is faith. Mm-hmm. Faith, genuine faith, not genuine. I don't want to put you into condemnation trip too. Whenever faith operates and it is active, it will connect to grace, mm-hmm. and the grace of God will heal you. That is why we keep on preaching. Why do we preach so much? Hoping to generate faith. Mm. That is the purpose of preaching. Preaching is to generate faith. And by faith, you connect to God. Mm. The grace of God flows in and suddenly you realize you are healed. Whether it's a physical or a spiritual thing. Remember on the cross, Isaiah 53, all of it was taken Amen. care of by him on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Peace for our mind. Mm. And healing for our body. You have to believe it. Don't go with this cessation is saying, no, 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 that is not true. It all came through. That's part of the atonement because everything is the consequences of sin. And if sin has been taken care of, the consequences also so has been taken care of. And you can live a relatively good, healthy life. Okay, there's a natural wear and tear. Like our cars, our body is wearing down. Why? Because God is not going to save this body. He's going to give us a new body. But that does not mean you have to walk in sickness. 
you can walk in health according to your age. According to your age, you can walk in health. So that you can be a useful vessel in God's hands. How does sickness glorify God? How does sickness help me in serving God? It's a hindrance. It is not. It is not a help. So you have to look at that as fundamentals. And if I don't have peace of mind, how do I function properly? You know, how do I function properly? So we have to offer, the Bible says in, uh, in Romans 12, what offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And in Corinthians 6, if I'm right, he the says, body for the, Lord, the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. It's all acts of faith. Mm-hmm. And it's a daily act of faith. Daily act of faith. And when you do it, you will, you will realize, you know, realize, you know, like yesterday, you know, all of them are looking at my Dr. Richard and my feet, you know, because I was having this terrible because of standing, okay. The first thing I said in the morning is, Lord, Lord, the feet hurts, it is true, but no, you will take it away. And I'm, I will speak to my feet every day, okay. Mm-hmm. I speak to my feet every day. If Jesus can speak to mountains and trees, I can speak to my amen, feet too. Amen. And I said, today, Lord, heal me, and for today, no, you know what, today my feet is fine. Hallelujah. My wife asked me three times, I said, I'm absolutely fine, it's not hurting at all. Okay, mm-hmm. now, tomorrow is another day, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm believing for, tomorrow will come tomorrow, and tomorrow morning I'll speak to my feet again. Okay, but you have to, you have to, okay, and like after three, four years when the sinus started coming back, today I spoke to my nose too. Okay, I said, you are not gonna play tricks with me, okay, you just stay off and you are not going to get my side, my allergy back. I am not going back to that, this thing, and I am not going into medication. I am good. Hallelujah. I am, not that I don't take medicines, okay, if you look into my bag which I carry, there is a secret pouch with Tylenol always in it, because <laughs> if I am going to preach, or if I am going somewhere, and if my head is going to pound, I am not going to let that interrupt or interfere with my ministry. So I am not against medicines or physical God said physician is for the sick. So if I feel sick, I will take a medication. But most of the time I don't need medication at all. Hardly need medication at all. But if I see, because I know my body well, if I see it coming and I know in 20-30 minutes I have ministry, I take it. So that it doesn't affect, I'm not going to stand as a fundamentalist and say, so no, I am going to claim it and blame it. If it doesn't come, it affects my ministry. So it's a small little thing. So we always balance these two things because ultimately it's a thing, you know, like a company would say they want the most profitable employee. Mm-hmm. And what all companies do to make employees efficient, you know, yes. they have certain kinds of music, they give you free food, <laughs> and they will do everything possible to be the <laughs> most efficient worker, okay? And what about God? He wants you to be the most efficient child he can have. So he has all a whole set of parameters. You look in the word of God, you believe it. But ultimately, what is it for? Mm. That's the question. Not that I spent my life on myself, mm. that I spent it for God. That is the whole purpose. Mm. Otherwise, it's a waste of life. A lot of people who are very healthy, they eat well, they very rigorously exercise everything, but their whole life is a waste. If you ask them what you do for God, nothing. Nothing. It's a waste of life. Mm. Now, we don't want life to be wasted. We want life to be used like Paul. I have poured out my whole life as a drink offering. That's the only thing we look at. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, we'll look at question number four. So one more question, I think, has yeah. come. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it says, for all the ones that harm the American people intentionally, mm. 
Am I allowed to bring them in a huge arena like in Saudi and chop their head off? <laughs> that is a joke question. Humorous question. Only well, asking? That's my question for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, who are it is? My answer is, uh, you cannot do that. You <laughs> cannot do that because you know the Western nations. Whatever you do has to be sanctioned by the law. And under the law in US, you can be executed in different ways. Chopping of head is not one of that ways. Mm. You can have a lethal injection, you can have an electric chair, but you have to go through the due process of law. And uh, the only way you can do that is that if, I mean, no, not that way, I, I, if I understand your law, if it can be proven for treason, there is capital punishment. In that case, I think it doesn't even go to civil courts. It goes to military courts and military tribunals, and they will execute you. So that's a different case. But we'll not worry about that. I know it's anger and venting, okay? <laughs> but we will try to be at peace and allow God to do the things. Okay. Just a question to lighten the atmosphere. But I can understand how people are so angry when they see what is happening. But yeah. so one, one more question before we can... Uh, finish the section. I think it's question number three. Do you agree you cannot trust people all the time? You rather trust God than any man or woman? Depends. Depends upon, see, a lot of people are hurt by relationships. Hmm. They are hurt and therefore it's a natural response. But one person's experiences in life may not agree with somebody else's at all. Because somebody else may have grown up in a very, see, if you have a very good environment in which you have grown up, see, the whole thing is because of man fell, restoration is taking place. But even in restoration, people don't believe or obey the word of God. But if you believe and obey the word of God and you live in a community where everybody is responsible and there is trust and there is loyalty, then uh, that person may react to situations completely. Hmm. So this is not a one rule for everybody. Each one of us, reacts differently. But ultimately you need to realize that you cannot live life without trust. Mm. You'll be, a, you'll go crazy. Ultimately we'll have to trust people and give them the benefit of doubt. Okay, when they fail, you have to give them the benefit of doubt that it was not intentional, it was not with malice, but actually it was uh, probably they overlooked. Always Pressure. give them mm -hmm. the benefit of doubt. Otherwise, no, we have to, we have to live by trust. We don't trust people. Imagine if your husband and wife, you don't trust your wife. If you have children, you don't trust your children. If you're employees, you don't trust your employees. How will you live? Hmm. How will you live? It's, it's a, it's a miserable life to live. So the simple thing is to, like, no, in areas where you know it is dangerous to trust. In areas where you know it's dangerous to trust, be a little bit careful. But in so many areas you can trust. Imagine anyone of you, let's say Roshan, has a maid who comes from outside to cook their meals. He has to trust. Hmm. And then you will be nervous, wreck every day, wonder what she's put into it. No, no. See, the kings live like that. No, Anisi lies the head oh, on which... Where's the crown? crown. Mm -hmm. Why did they? Because all what pa palace politics was about killing the king. <laughs> That's why they have cup bearers and they have wine tasters and food tasters and, uh, you know, and sometimes you can be very patriotic and be foolish. 
like let us happen to one of our okay there was what was called operation blue star when the golden temple was taken over by the sikh terrorists and indira gandhi ordered operation blue star and because of that the sikh community was very inflamed a lot of things happened but among her security guards were sikhs and she being very patriotic said no they wanted the secret service in their secret wanted them to be taken out because they saw a perception of threat but she was very patriotic and said no but ultimately they killed her they killed her it was a sick soldier who killed her okay she called and it changed india's history certain deaths have changed in india her death and rajiv gandhi's death these two deaths changed india's history india went for a toss after that after that they were strong leaders but they were also in their own way they were righteous they were righteous they were not crooked because they were not wicked people that way so it, it history changed but that's why we have to be very very careful about who we trust we don't put feelings about about threat perceptions no we don't put it that way so we have to be very careful about who we trust and who we do not trust yet a family with the kingdom of god cannot survive without trust hmm. we trust and when they fail you that does not mean okay have been betrayed it's i've constantly have been betrayed so many times i will never trust anybody you know the only way you can do is lock yourself in a mental hospital hmm. you will still have to come back and start trusting start searching because i've seen people going wonky looney tunes because they are not able to trust anybody they don't trust anybody but god says you have to trust people because each one is not same you don't judge somebody with the same yardstick it may be a completely different person the next person yes pastor pastor question number 19 uh it's some of the most con- more controversial questions uh person is asking women are forbidden to talk or teach at church or lead in lead in an area of ministry in church Mm-hmm. is what first timothy chapter 2 verses 9 to 15 one second pastor we there somebody from saying they did not get the link but the link is the normal link from us asking let me just send it to them sometimes they are not able to log in Okay. Yeah, uh, go ahead. So, uh this is about women teaching in the church. Mm. Women forbidden to talk or to teach at church or lead in an area of ministry in the church according to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9 to 15 mm. has also been fully blown out of context without understanding different roles and order God has for men and women in family, church, ministry etc. Mm. Phoebe, Priscilla, Aquila, Junia, Tryphena, mm. uh, Tryphosa, Persis, Mary, Andronicus, etc. were Paul's co-workers in the, mist- in the ministry in various capacities. Mm. Understand that women are restrained to be uh, the shepherd of the congregation. However, how does this apply in terms of women teaching in the church or leading an area of ministry in the church? Okay. We are moving into thin ice. <laughs> so let me stick to my notes. <laughs> a regular notes for each topics and we have to be very very careful okay so that we don't offend anybody we stick to the truth <clears throat> okay especially when we deal with uh, <laughs> with gender sexuality these days these are all very dangerous topics but we have to deal first let me explain this to you 
what is given as instructions in the word of god is for people who are within the house of god hmm. okay house of god god called the church to be a light to the world so all that is written in the word of god it's not that it does not apply to the others if they practice it they practice it it helps like we are talking about um, same sex marriage government of india has filed this thing in the supreme court that it's against our culture against our culture and this is no no to that so we have to see what the supreme court says okay so if somebody follows something and it's part of your culture but that agrees with the word of god it is good for the country yes amen it's good for the country okay so it is not that it does not apply to you but they may be ignorant about you but when we are speaking we are speaking to the church the born again the church the born again men and women so when women ask these questions we have to go back to the word of god Hmm. we have to go back to the god because all the problems you are facing came after the fall so when jesus was asked a question about marriage one of the ways he answered us it was not so in the beginning so if we want to look at these questions we have to always go to the beginning what was god's original idea yes okay original idea so when a man has been or a woman has been born again god is restoring them back to the original restoring back to the original we are not going uh, in the old way we are going back to the way what god's god's original purpose was so we will look at god's original purpose because that is how you you find this genesis 2 and verse 18 and then john 14 and verse 16 and god said the lord god said it is not good that man should be alone i will make him a helper comparable to him so the word god uses first thing remember god made man he did not make woman he made man and when he made woman the first thing god says is that she should be his helper mm. comparable to when god uses the word helper it's not it's not a derogative term it's not a derogative it is it's not mm. if you look at john 14 and verse 16 you know, i will pray the father he will give you another helper that he may abide mm. with you the holy spirit is called the helper okay but if you look at the next so how do you learn first thing about what did god what was god's purpose for the woman and you look at the other term that is used you will see the holy spirit is behind the scenes working in everything but he never projects himself into the front and when jesus himself is when he comes he will not speak about himself he'll only speak about me so the holy spirit is actively involved but he's never there in the front hmm. it's never there in the front yes. so in the same way when god talks about a woman as the helper to the man the first purpose defined she's actively involved in the life of her husband but she doesn't project herself and put herself in the front okay so the first thing you need to understand is when god is talking about he's talking about as a wife hmm. okay as a wife this is the purpose of a wife If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 okay sisters please don't get offended with me this is the word of god i want you to know the head of every man is christ the head of woman is man and the head of christ is god so god brings the concept of headship and therefore he brings the concept of submission and submission has been made a dirty word in the world but it's a holy word in scripture So Jesus and God the Bible says are equal 
but Christ submitted to God. The man submits to Christ. The woman submits to man. Okay, so he brings the order. Okay, first purpose. Second, he brings the concept about submission. You have to get these pictures. Then only the rest of the story, the rest of the questions can be answered when we understand the picture. Sin entered into God's creation because of the rebellion of Satan who refused to submit to God's order. And salvation comes in because Christ submitted to the Father. If Christ had not submitted to God, there would be no salvation. So fall comes because of rebellion and salvation comes because of submission. Understand these fundamental principles. Mm-hmm. Okay, fundamental because if a man does not submit to the headship of Christ, he brings the rebellion of Satan into his home. Yes. A woman does not submit to husband as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Then she brings rebellion into the husband. So both the husband and the wife can bring rebellion. Don't bring it to the wife alone. The man has to submit to God, to Christ. How? Like Christ submitted to the Father. In how? In all things. Mm-hmm. Okay? All things. Men will talk about wife submitting to the husband in all things. But God says first man submit to God in all things. Yes. And the wife then submits to that man. Okay? They are not mutually exclusive. Okay? Mm-hmm. Don't look at that. That way. They are mutually exclusive and they are not, not also mutually exclusive. Yes. Okay? Mm. So, so we will see that Eve failed. Eve failed. That's how it becomes. If you turn to 1st Timothy chapter 2, 14, Eve failed. Okay? Mm. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived. How was she deceived? Because she didn't stay under the authority. Mm. She put herself in the front. Okay. If you read Genesis chapter 2, you do not see God telling these things to Eve. He only told man. He didn't tell Eve. Eve comes later. If you look at the chronological order, God creates Adam, he creates the garden, he puts the tree, he says, don't eat of it, if you eat you will die. And then he says, I need to make a worker. Hmm. Okay. So he did not tell Eve. He did not tell Eve, he told Adam. Okay, so when Eve was confronted with a question, her automatic response should be that, let me check with my husband. Mm-hmm. So the first step she did was she came out of submission and went to the forefront and she got deceived. She got deceived. That's how deception comes. And the Bible is very clearly, Adam was not deceived. But the woman was being deceived, fell into transgression. Okay, and from there, things starts changing. Mm-hmm. So Eve failed and transgression came in. Then if you come to Ephesians 5.24, 5.24, okay. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, hmm. so let the wives to be their own husbands in everything. What does it mean? There is glory in submission. Hmm. No? There's glory in submission. Christ, church is subject to Christ. So that's the glory. That's where the glory of the church comes. The church is subject to Christ. So let the wives be subject to their husbands in everything. This is what the Bible says. Hmm. Now we will say that is why we try to say as far as within you, try to make the right decision in your mind. Much of the problems happen is because people get unequally yoked. Unequally, do not be unequally, not just with unbelievers, but also with believers. Don't get unequally. If it's an equal kind of a yoking, where men and women have been taught in the church, this is God's order, 
follow this order and then they get married, lot of things or troubles won't be there in the marriage. And if you go to Philippians chapter 2, to bring the glory of submission, okay? And verse 5 onwards, if I'm right. Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the mind. This is basically attitude. The attitude of submission. Who being in form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal. If he, if he said, I'm equal to God, then he was not stealing anything. It was true. But, verse 7 says, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also, because of his submission to the Father, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is Above every name. So there is glory. Yes. And there is reward in submission. Yes. We have to get these pictures right. Because in the world, submission is a dirty word. Mm. It's You cannot even talk about it. Mm. Because they think it's it's demeaning. But that is because Satan is a rebel. And he has fashioned the whole world in rebellion. God is not a rebel. Christ is not a rebel. He is a submissive son. And the entire kingdom of God and the church is framed in submission to to the authority of the Father. So mm. there are two things that is going simultaneously, two fathers. One is God and the yes. other is the devil. Mm. One son shows, shows the way, Jesus shows the way, the way back is through the way of submission. The other rebellious son, Lucifer also is called a son of God in the terms of created angels are called sons of God, mm. has shown the wrong way through the way of rebellion. So we have to look at it. And there are two people put in a marriage. Okay, when a woman submits to her husband, she is submitting to the authority of God's word. Mm. Understand that. First Peter three verses one to two. Because first we are going through roles because we are talking about because we do not understand what is the role given by God, then we will not understand what a woman's ministry is. Wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. What is he talking about? They do not obey the word, but you obey the word. Hmm. They don't obey the word. They are not submissive. So first says, husbands be submissive to the Christ. As Christ to the word, and wives be submissive to the husbands in the Lord. But what if the man does not? So is it mutually exclusive? The man does not, so I will not. God says no. Even if some do not, some don't. They are not interested. They don't. You still do because you know because of the word. So when a woman is coming under authority of the husband, it is because she is coming under the authority of the word of God. And then what happens? If she continues that, she becomes an overcomer in eternity and reigns with Christ while he loses everything. Ultimately, we have to look at it. What? Eternity is a different picture altogether. There is no marriage over there. There is no husband-wife over there. So men will rule, women also will rule. Only thing that you have to overcome. You have to overcome. Whatever gender God assigned you by birth, you have to overcome that way. You have to overcome that way and you will rule. A man may fail completely and a woman may have overcome through submission to a husband and to the authority of God's word. And she may reign in eternity while he may be living under her. But there is no gender over there. We are not looking at that gender specific male, female. Inheritance is common. Mm -hmm. Okay, So we are not looking at it. So 
has Satan led the angels in rebellion? Women also can fall into rebellion. Proverbs 21 and verse 19. A rebellious wife will convert the home better to dwell in the wilderness. A rebellious wife makes our home a wasteland, a desert, a wilderness. Understand that. If a woman rebels, okay, and goes against God's order, rebels, goes against God's order, she makes our home a wasteland, a wilderness, a desert. On the other hand, Proverbs 12, 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Okay? But she who causes shame is like a rottenness in his bones. The Bible, this is weird because the question is from women. We are talk, talking about specific. Let a man ask a question, we will answer the men too. But today it is specific to women. Okay? This is because you need to look at. So what is Bible? First, what did we look at? We are looking at the term wife. So the first thing in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 we saw, I should make her a, him a suitable helper. Mm-hmm. And what is her first role if you look at it? Now we are talking about in married concert is as a, as a wife. This is your role as a wife. Okay. And if you do not, this is what you will turn uh, your home into. And if you look at Proverbs 31, we are not going there in detail, you will see nothing is mentioned in Proverbs 31, uh, sorry, 31 about her physical charms. Actually, verse 30 will call it deceptive. Beauty is man, yes. Okay? Nothing talks about her uh, outside this thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Charm is deceitful and beauty mm-hmm. is passing. Mm-hmm. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So what is the kind of wife God is looking for? Not somebody who fears her husband. And obeys her. No. One who fears the Lord and obeys her husband. Hallelujah. Mm. That's what God is looking for. Okay. So man has to fear the Lord. The woman has to fear the Lord. In the fear of the Lord, we submit to one another. In the fear of the Lord, man has to fear the Lord. Woman has to fear the Lord. And that is the woman who shall be (coughs) praised. If you look at verse 10, like if you look at the woman, now you're looking at the who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. And if I'm right, there are 12 verses describing her work. Mm-hmm. A hard-working wife, woman. Verse 26. 26 talks about our tongue. He opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue mm-hmm. is the law of kindness. Super. He talks about her work. Mm-hmm. It talks about her tongue. Okay. And verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. It is not only seasons. She's a hardworking. She's a blessing. She has wisdom and she's a kind tongued person and all the days of her life. She does good to her husband. Do good to her husband. <clears throat> and verse 29, her husband praises her. Okay. Many daughters have one done well, but you excel them all. Her husband praises her. Mm-hmm. And verse 31, okay, 
Give her the fruit of her hand. Let her own works praise her in the gates. On that day of judgment, her works will praise her. Mm. Her works will praise her. So her role is defined over there as a wife. So we looked at as wife. And also you will see there's something primacy about this wife because she is in charge of her home. The wise woman is a house home builder. The wise woman builds her home. The mm. foolish one tears it apart. Mm. In First Peter 4, 9 and Romans 12, 23, 12, okay? First Peter 4, 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, okay? In the early church and even in the church, all church, hospitality was put on a very high premium. Hospitality. And the wife has to be a very hospitable person. In Romans 12 and verse 23, uh, 23, not 21, 23. Oh, 13%? Uh, hospitality okay, okay. with kindness. It's about, yeah, hospitality, where does it come? Okay. Oh. It talks about hospitality. Huh? 13, 23? Okay, it's fine. It's fine, okay. You need to realize hospitality was a big thing in the, in the church. It's a big thing in the church. Okay, okay. Distribute, yeah, 13. Distributing to the saints, needs of the saints given to hospitality. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a wife in a house is given to hospitality. Because you need to realize much of church history is always birthed and continues in affliction. So hospitality was a big thing. It's a big thing in the church and just simple hospitality. In First Timothy 5.10, even the poor widows, the poor widows, the rule was still saying, yeah, okay, well reported for, for good, good works. works. If she has brought up her children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every. This is for the poor widows who should be taken care of by the church, but she should have a record or this is the way she was. So you go through, I mean, if you go through the pattern God has put for the wife, okay, the woman in the church, she was into all this, a husband's life, she is a partner, but she is there. She works hard. She works hard all her life. She's She's got wisdom. She's got kindness. And she builds her home. And she helps the people within the community. Okay? Now, if you come to the second one, that is mother. Okay? The second one is mother. If you know, God brought all the animals to, to Adam. Adam named them. So, remember... Adam named Eve. God did not name Eve. Mm. Adam named her, if I am right. Yes, she, she, she shall her. be called woman. Yes. What does it mean? It yeah. means mother of the Wondering, living. Yes. Okay. God called her helper. Wife is a helper. Man named her mother. So remember, naming is a sign of authority. Amen. Okay. Eve did not name him Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam named her Eve. And when he named her Eve, one of the meaning is, She's a mother. So the second purpose, first you see wife, because ultimately what does a woman grow up to be? A girl grow up to be a wife, and then a mother. And therefore there is purpose. Okay? She is a mother. So, you see her as a wife and as a mother. Wife and as a mother. So when she becomes a mother, what does it mean? She has children. Today children are disposable. 
can be aborted. They are called accidents and all. But that's not the, what the Bible says in First Psalm 127, verse 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Verse 3. <laughs> Children are a heritage. And they are called a reward. Mm. Okay? In Psalm 128, verse 4. Okay, 128, verse 4. Oh, no, no. How did I get when I write my numbers? Okay. Children are called a blessing. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Bless or thus shall the man be blessed. Okay? Meaning children are a blessing. Not the way the world looks at children today or in the system where children can be aborted any time after birth, before birth and all. But that's not what the Bible calls it. So there is a wife and there is a mother. So remember, there is satanic deception about what a wife is. Because for Satan, submission, he hates that word mm-hmm. and he deceives men and women and children by t- allowing them to go his way in rebellion. Hmm. While submission is a glorious word in the kingdom of God. We are not talking about abuse, physical abuse and all kinds of abuse where you submit to that. We are not talking about. I'm talking about a relatively good system. Okay, When there is physical abuse, then you need to come out without rebelling. You can come out without rebelling. You should not have rebelled and come out. You just make what we call a quiet exit. Okay, quiet exit so that you are right before God. So, then when you come to the third part, you will realize, if you read through the Bible, you will see there are gifts and there are offices. There are gifts and there are offices. Don't confuse these two. The gifts of the Holy Spirit you see in Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12. The offices you see in Ephesians 4. The offices, if you look at it through the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, were all given to men. All given to men. It was not given to women. It was given to men. Because it is because of authority. But women can operate in the gifts. Hmm. So when you are talking about women in the ministry, be very careful. We are not talking about, we are talking about gifts. We are not talking about offices. Okay? That's, that's where you have to be very, very careful. Hmm. So, though women are there in the church, actively involved in the ministry, the Bible does not sanction eldership or teaching. We cannot change these things. God wrote it down and put it as scripture. And like Jesus said, scripture cannot be broken. You can break it, but scripture cannot be broken. It's two different concepts. You can break scripture, but scripture cannot break, Mm -hmm. be broken. Okay, that's the rule. You can break the law, but the law should not be broken. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then in 1st Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 and 14, we have this. Okay, 12, 2 and 14. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Talking about teaching. Okay. And what does it say in verse 15? On the other hand, it says, and gives the whole idea. It goes all the way to the beginning. Okay, authority was Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but woman being deceived fell into transgression. transgression. Okay, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if she continue in faith, love, holiness, with sounds come down. So he brings what does he say? He says he talks about the ministry of motherhood. 
which is huge ministry mm-hmm. of motherhood mm-hmm. and even single women who never got married can have a ministry of motherhood no you can take you can take orphans under your I know a lot of them have taken a lot and they're a mother to so many. They're mother to so many orphans than they are to their own, those women who have children, okay? Now people will talk about Old Testament, Deborah and Hulda and all. Those were extraordinary times which needed extraordinary solutions when there was no man. You know, the man you had was Barak, but he's a wuss. And he says, if you don't come along, I am not going. So we know then, when you look at Barak, the only man God could use over there, then you know why he needed Deborah. Understand? It's an extraordinary situation. So we don't take extraordinary situations and make it into the norm. And even when you talk about Deborah, says there was a prophetess and she judged. When she judged, judged meaning when people came. See, they're living under the Philistines the enemy. So she's not ruling. Basically, when people had problems, they came to her, she gave counsel. Mm. That is what it means. Mm-hmm. Because if she judged, that means then they are, Israel is ruling. And it is, they are not under this thing. No, that is not. Then we don't have that war with Sisera is ruling. But when Israel has an issue, they go to her and she gives counsel. That's all it means. So that in that way, she's a prophetess and judged. Meaning she hears counsel and she exhorts people, this is the way to live. That's all it means. But when she identifies herself in Judges 5, verse 7 and verse 12, when she identifies herself, this is how she identifies Judges 5, 7 and 12. Village life ceased, it ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. Um, arose a mother, mother in Israel. Israel. She does not say a prophetess rose. She says a mother rose. What was her heart? Her heart was was the heart of a mother. And she saw Israel as her children. And she really wanted to rescue. I, Deborah, a mother arose. And when she comes to verse 12, Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake. Sing a song. Arise, Barak. Lead your captives. Who is the one who is awaking? It's a mother who is awaking mm-hmm. because she sees... Lead your captives, hmm. O son of Ahinam. My children are going into captivity. So as the zeal of a mother. You know, mothers are very zealous about their children. children yeah. Okay, And that is the spirit that is working in Deborah. So don't take it that and make it into a New Testament ministry unless you rise as a mother in the church. Okay, So if a mother goes to work for the sake of her family, because desperately the family needs the help of the mother, goes to work. I'm talking about going to work outside. Then God will give grace to her. But on the other hand, if the motive of going to work is for a luxurious and a better lifestyle, then remember the house will be judged. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap corruption. So you have to be wary. You have to show grace. If the husband, her wife is, the home is struggling and the house man is not able to manage and the wife goes to work to supplement it, to run the house, God will always give grace to that house. On the other hand, if the motive is wrong, remember it will bring corruption. So the first we see these two, the first two roles in the Bible, therefore it applies to everyone in the church. Is one as a wife and the one has a mother. Mm. And like I said, you have to distinguish between these two offices. In First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 5, okay, 11 and verse 5, every woman who prays or prophesies, mm. okay, so she can pray, she can prophesy, okay. Now, we will go back to there by reading uh, Corinthians 14. 
First Corinthians 14. Let me give you that. Okay, First Corinthians 14. Yeah. Verse 3. Yeah. Then we'll go back, okay? He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Prophesying is different from teaching. Mm. When you prophesy, what are you doing? You are edifying somebody. You are encouraging somebody. You are comforting somebody. That man or woman can do it. There's no issue with that. A woman comforts. Like, oh, let us be honest. Doesn't Mark comfort you more than I do? Honestly, you know, she comforts you, she exalts you, you know, she edifies you through her ministry, she does it. That is the primary function of prophesying in the new covenant, okay? Let a woman, now go back to let a woman prophesy or pray, pray okay? The prayer, let me honest be tell you. Let us be honest about it because we have live examples. Does my prayer comfort you more or my wife's wife prayer comfort you more? You know, it's a mass prayer. <laughs> That's why they call her more for prayer than me. Because sometimes then they call for me to pray. When I pray, they get a sermon. <laughs> but she prays. Okay, then she prays. Okay, so you will see, she prays, she exhorts, she edifies, she comforts. So when a woman prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, okay, with speaker covering, because it has two meanings. One, she should not do it with un- without outside authority. God does not allow a woman to have an independent ministry. Mm-hmm. She should be under authority. Under authority. You ask my wife. So many people invite her to everything. She'll always say, let, I will ask my husband. But let me always tell you, he will say no. Because he will say, we got too much in our church. There is no time for you to help other churches. And if they need help, we are live. Let them get edified through the live stream. But she will never do outside. I would say without us, she'll always ask me, should I or should I not? Okay. I am not trying to curtail her. I am trying to help her. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to protect her because I know and say, you know what? You are straining too much. Like the government asks, can you teach five times a week? I said, nope. Then they asked three times. I said, nope. And finally, I said, okay, because of the nature of the work, they are asking you to come and help. And because these are people, social workers, who are with all the traumas, traumatized children, and the government is asking you, can you help the social workers, the young ones, the new ones? I said, I'll allow you one day a week. So she goes only one day a week. I won't allow you five days a week. I said, only because of because you are a trained social worker and it can be a blessing to so many children because what happened in the, the children are committing suicide. Hmm. Committing suicide. And, uh, we, and I also told her you are in a secular setting, so remember prayer and all. We go into a secular setting, be very careful, okay? You pray and go. But if they ask you for prayer, then it is okay. Otherwise, remember, in a secular setting, we can pray without obviously praying. We can put across the gospel without quoting scripture, like I used to do in the secular setting. So be very careful. But so what am I trying to do? I'm not trying to hinder her. I'm trying to protect her. That's mm-hmm. the job of the husband. But a lot of husbands can be very jealous and they hinder the ministry of their wives. And you have to be very, very careful. Okay, In a, in a, in a, in a marriage, it is not competition. A man and a woman complete each other. We don't compete with each other. And a lot of marriages have become competition. We don't compete. We complete each other. Mm. And we encourage each other. So my job is not to compete with her. My job is to compliment her and see that she is a blessing. But I have to put this 
wall around her to protect her not to not to what you call hinder restrain her because god has gifted her mm. as he has gifted me he has gifted her and i have to see her gift is used to the maximum potential okay so there is this covering there's a internal covering and there's an external covering because people look at man. god looks at the inside man looks at the outside remember what god told samuel man looks at the outside god looks at the inside so when i'm standing in public before when i'm standing in public i'm standing before god and i'm standing before man so i need to have something that is internal which god looks at the heart i need to have something that is external which man looks at the outside remember both are important Love God and not mm-hmm. stop there. Love your neighbor. A testimony before God and a testimony before. Mm-hmm. So women will say, no, I have submitted my husband. I will not have anything, anything external. But um, the women in the church and the men in the church don't know what is happening in your house. They are seeing you what you are outside. That is the external covering that is talking about. And it's got to do with glory. We have explained it that in another mm-hmm. uh, completely different session. Okay, so if you come to, we saw that, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, you know, 12. So understand what prophesy means, you know. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. When it's talking about teaching, it is, you're primarily setting doctrine. And God does not allow a woman to do that. He will not allow a woman to teach. Because he says, I do not give you authority to teach. Okay, so all fivefold ministry, and when women teach, you will see. See, nobody teaches hundred percent error, but it is easier for a woman to teach error than for a man, because it's easier for a woman to be deceived than a man, because that's how God made woman. God made woman emotional, emotional. God made man more rational. Okay, so. This, that's why the Bible says a woman is deceived, was deceived and not Adam. If you are an emotional person and what happens when you teach doctrine, you can bring uh, emotions into doctrine. Doctrine is emotionless. Because truth shows no emotion. Yes, yes. Justice shows no emotion. Justice shows no emotion. No? And if you look, actually look at, I'm not sure, today's world is a different world, but because it's a total confusion with gender, sexuality and all. But you will see, sometimes the women judges go wonky on the bench. They get all emotional on the bench, but justice doesn't show any emotion. Then you will pervert justice. Pervert justice. You know? And that's why and we always see in homes, you know, if in a normal home, if something happens to a child, the mother gets all riled up. The father is very calm. Very calm. Okay, you know? Like, you know, whenever stuff happened with me in the school or anywhere, my mother used to get very riled up. And when we wait for my father to come in, always says, do you know what happened to him? My father's first question is, what did he do? <laughs> What is because he likes to look at the both sides of the picture. Okay, that's how it should be. So that is why it is it is banned by scripture for a woman to teach. Does not woman to prophesy if you understand what prophesy means. Okay. Yet in Titus chapter two, verses four and five. Teach other women. Four and five. Okay. 
that they should admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. But the older women in the Lord, not older in terms of age, the older women in the in the Lord are asked by God to teach the younger women how to run a home how to deal with their husbands, how to love their children, how to be discreet, how to be chaste, how to be homemakers, how to be good. And that is how the older women from a life of experience are able to teach. Hmm. Okay, this is it. This is what I went through. This is how I learned. The Lord learned me and things changed. See, older women have a teaching ministry. Yes, to whom? To younger women. Younger women. Okay, they have a teaching ministry. Okay, then... 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. God has, uh, 28, yeah. God has appointed these in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles and the gifts of healing, and there is something over there which is called helps. The ministry of helps is the biggest ministry in the kingdom of God. It is helping people. And that if you look at it, the women are the best in it. The ministry of helps. They are the best in it because you know what? They have a naturally endowed gift of helping others. They are endowed with it. So there is a ministry for women within the body of Christ. What is that? To help. The ministry of helps. Okay? Ministry of helps. And if you look at Romans 16 and verses 1 and 2. Okay, Romans 16. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a worthy man, worth, manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she has in need of you. For indeed she has been a helper, helper of many, many yeah. and of myself also. What is Phoebe commended for? Not her teaching ministry or yeah. anything. She was a help. She was a real, real help. Real. And I've been to all mission grounds, and I will tell you, it's a blessing the women are in the church. That they take care of all the needs of the church. They all behind the scenes, they are busy working and everything over there. And I mean, think about what the think about our own church. What would be the the, the condition of the church if Ma isn't there? And she hasn't preached a single sermon in thirteen years in the church. She has encouraged the young people, the children, but she never preached to the women. Yes, to the young people. Yes, never in the church. But think about take Ma out of the church. How does the church run? How does the church run? Everything behind the scenes, she does it. And she is much more busier than me. She does more than me in every way. What do we do? We teach. We teach. The ministry of helps, what the Bible is talking about. And God has put it across. You look at the format. That is the way. If you turn to Acts chapter 9 and verse 39. Why is a woman resurrected from the dead? Okay. 9 verse 39, right? Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. She was a help to the church. And all the widows were there weeping. You know what Dorcas was help? She was such a blessing. And someone said, you know what, this I am wearing, she made. And the one says, you know what, the pastor is wearing, she made. Those days clothing is very expensive, mm. very rare. It's not, everybody had, if you had two or three sets, you were a rich man those days, okay? And who did it? 
It was a Dorcas who did it. And when he heard that, you know, the Spirit of God moved through him and raised her back from the dead. Okay, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes, and she saw Peter, she sat up. You have a resurrection, because what was the woman doing? The woman was was a help. So we understand these pictures, we'll understand what the woman is. There are so many things in the Bible which are specific to men, which are specific. God does not like Mixing of genders. Because he created us male and female. So there are roles. And God doesn't want to mix the roles. Okay? Let's look at one more thing about this. All the women's witness. They talk about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was not preaching. Mm. She was a witness of the resurrection. We all witness. The man and the woman witnesses the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you turn me to First Timothy chapter 2, 9 and 10 and then First Peter chapter 3. Okay, First Timothy 2, 9 and 10. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with proprietary moderation, not with braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly uh, clothing, which is proper for women, professing godliness with good works. So you know what? She's a witness in her dressing. God does not accept immodest dressing for women. In the church, it's a no, no. You see, it's because the world has crept into the church. It's very difficult for, actually, it's an easy setting for us because there are only five men sitting over here. We are live streaming. But if you look into the word of God, God tells the women, you are a witness in your dressing. You see, it is dressing is never mentioned in the Bible, the new covenant with men. It is never an issue. It became an issue when homosexuality and gender issues came in. We don't know who is a man, who is a woman. But there was, it was never an issue. But women, this is dressing, meaning your witness in your dressing and how you, it never talks to man about uh, ornaments. But about women, it is talked about. He says, you know what, this is your, this is your witness. Your dressing is your witness. The way you put ornaments is your witness. And I, I dislike a lot of so-called prophetesses on live stream on YouTube with hair cut like this, sitting with, with the earrings which will reach their knees and sitting over there and they're prophesying. It's, it's, it's a, I'm not judging their prophecy. That's, that's not, I judge their prophecy too with the word of God, but I'm not, but I'm, I'm talking about, they look odd in the light of scripture. I wonder whether they have they read scripture at all? Have they ever read scripture? Have they seen scripture? You know? And that's what the Bible is talking about, okay? Which is proper. Are you professing godliness? The witness of a woman, the role of a woman, the witness, the, the witness of a woman. If you come to Peter, no, this is just not Paul. You can't say Paul is, uh, and is not a misogynist. No, this is not Paul. This is the Holy Spirit. To whom? This is the Holy Spirit writing through Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit to whom the woman is compared. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be. He says, be very careful about your outside, it says, and be careful about your inside. Mm -hmm. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the in." Corruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. 
Women have to look at this. Men have to look at what God's. They have to receive it by faith and ask God for grace to become what God wants you to be. So God can be proud about his sons and be proud about his daughters. That's a simple thing. We don't look into the word. We don't look, sorry, look into the world at all. And to give us a very, very tough picture about God's derision about the daughters of Zion. Zion is supposed to be the peak of Jerusalem, okay? In Isaiah chapter 3, Three. verses 16 onward, this is the daughters of Zion. So we know who is talking about, meaning when the end comes, this is how the daughters of the church will become. And there is indictment over here. Because the daughters of Zion, remember, it is Zion, and we know what Zion is. It is out of Zion, everything flows. You study, you do a word study on what Zion means. This is not even Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. This is Zion, the peak of Jerusalem. O daughters of Zion, a haughty, the walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. You know, walking and mincing as they go, automatically you think, oh, it's talking about high heels. That's how they walk. Today, that's how they walk. The daughters of Zion, jingling with their feet, all those adornments. Therefore, God will strike with a scab, the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and God will uncover their secret parts. You know what is happening? Because women left their modesty. If you look at the within courts, the women of the Christian nations, no, there's no modesty at all. Hmm. They are showing all their secret parts, walking around with no shame at all. You look at the gay parades and the women's right parades, they hardly dressed. You know what? It's a judgment. It is not happening in the East. It is not happening in the Middle East. It is only happening in the parts of the East where Christian culture came in. They call it Western, it's not Christian, Western culture came in. So you will see it in Japan, you will see it in Korea, you will see wherever Western culture came in, the women started undressing. But wherever the, the, the culture never changed, you will see the women are very, very modest. But you do not realize it is not a judgment on the women of the world. It's a judgment of the women of Zion. Okay? And what, what does it say? He will uncover. And verse, read from there. Now, I'm not indicting anybody. I'm just reading scripture. In that day, the Lord will take away the finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves, the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, and the whales, the headdresses, the leg ornaments, the headbands, the perfume boxes, the charms. The rings, the nose jewels, the festal apparel, the mantles, the outer garments, the purses, the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans and the robes. And so it shall be, instead of a sweet smell, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, baldness. Instead of a rich robe, a girding of sackcloth, a branding instead of beauty and rings, the nose jewels. God says, you know, and what will happen to you? Your men shall fall by the sword and your mighty in war. And a gate shall lament and moan and she being desolate shall sit on the ground. Hmm. It's an indictment. Okay. Now this is an indictment on the men, but we are looking basically into women. And now you look because of what happened. Look at the actual people. Look because of what has happened. What has happened? Look at the West. Look at the Equality Act that has been passed. It's a terrible for our children, what is happening? What where they has coming in? Okay, the simple question: If you look at the complete collapse of the Western civilization, which was primarily Judeo-Christian, complete collapse. If you want to put your finger on the button, you know what happened? 
How did it reach this place? It's simply when the women stepped outside her home and left her home. The day the woman stopped being a homemaker, the civilization collapsed. Because ultimately, the, 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 the building block of any civilization is the home. Is the home. And God called the woman a wife and a mother and a homemaker. When the woman stopped being a homemaker, you know what? The homes collapsed, the nations collapsed. It's simple. What you are seeing is, is an indictment actually about on the home. And now you know what? First you, uh, ask for the liberty to kill your own children. The women who are fighting and men are fighting with them. But the women, you can understand a man. I don't want to be ridden with this unwanted pregnancy. But a woman asking for her own baby to be killed and fighting for it. So she handed over her womb to the system, to the government. Okay. One by one, it was handed over. Now what is happening? You are wondering what will happen. What will happen? The government can take your children away. One by one, your rights, okay? That's basically equality acts. You can have men thinking they are women today and come into your bathrooms of your little girls. You want that? Your sports is gone. Transgenders can compete in women's sports. See, transgenders competing in man's sports makes no difference to man. Mm -hmm. See, at the end of the day, by fighting for the rights which are unbiblical, who lost? Women lost. Man hasn't lost anything. Man hasn't lost anything. Women lost everything. You need to realize women. You want to abort, how does it bother the man? It doesn't bother the man. You want to abort, good for me. I have to pay less. You want to abort, go abort. Okay? You want men to come into your daughter, girl's bathroom, good for me. I will pretend I am a woman today. See, the men did not lose anything. But if you look at it, because the church and therefore the world moved away from scripture. Who lost? The woman lost. And the home lost. And we have to look into it and be honest about it and say, you know what? You want to protect your home? You want to protect your life? We have to go back to what God's order is. What is my purpose as a man? This is my purpose. What is my purpose as a woman? This is my purpose. And go back. What is my role in a church? What is my role as a man and a woman in the church? Go back to that. You know what? Grace comes. Grace comes. Hmm. And let me tell you, when sin is abounding in the world, like the first question, abounding in the world, you have no defense except grace. No defense to sin. Where sin abounds, grace. grace. But if you want grace, you need faith. Mm -hmm. And if you need faith, you have to obey scripture. Grace is not given wantonly. The only way I can access grace as a man is by faith. The only way woman can access grace is by faith. And faith comes from hearing. In hearing comes by the word of God. And the word of God, by the way, is truth. And you cannot change truth. And the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 14 or 16, when truth falls... Yeah, 59, yeah, 14. 49. 49. Yeah. We look at that verse and 59, we close. 14, 59, 14. 59, 14. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far off. For truth 
is fallen in the street and uh, equity, equity cannot, cannot enter. See, people are fighting for justice. People are fighting for righteousness. They're fighting for equity. equity. But none of this is going to come. We are becoming more and more an unjust world and unrighteous world where there is no equity at all. You know why? Truth has fallen. You want justice back and righteousness and equity? Truth has to stand up in our own lives first. I have to stand up to the truth of who is a man. My wife has to stand up the truth as who is a woman. If truth doesn't stand up, these things will not come. So we are not trying to change the world. That's not our job. We are trying to change our homes. Hmm. That's all we have to do. We don't have to change the homes. The world. We have to change our homes. And therefore, we change the church. And the church stands up as a light. Then when people look at the church and they will say, yes, we see in the midst of chaos, you are still standing. Okay, that's what we are. In the darkness, what does the church become? It becomes a lighthouse. Because there are rocks and there are storms and there is danger all around. And there is the, what is the purpose of the lighthouse? To show light. Mm. That's the only purpose, to show light. There is danger and there is safety. That is the purpose of the lighthouse. And that's the purpose of the Christian and the purpose of the church. And we'll stop there, Pastor Vijay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Mm. And please, dear sisters, mm. I didn't say this, Paul didn't say this, Peter didn't say it. The Holy Spirit to whom you are compared, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is no less than the other two in the Trinity. Trinity. They are three co-equal parts of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the, if the man is compared to Jesus Christ, the woman is compared to the Holy Spirit, and God is the Father. And if you look in the Trinity, the Son submits to the Father in all things. The Holy Spirit submits to the Son and the Father in all things. And there is no competition among them. They love each other, and in their submission, there is incredible power. Hmm. The whole world is held together because there is submission in the Trinity. If there is competition, you will have chaos. Hmm. We are finished. Absolute submission in the Trinity. They are not competing with one another. Husbands and wives should not compete. They should complement. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. Mm. They should complement each each other. other. Then they complete each other. Amen? Amen. Shall we pray? Pastor Vijay. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for your word. Yes, Lord, indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, is what your word says. And you said, Lord that your word sanctifies because you said, Lord, sanctify them by the truth and your word is truth. And this evening, O Lord, I pray all of us have received your truth in our lives. And Lord, that we will walk in freedom. We will know and we will experience the joy of obeying your truth, O Lord. And we will truly experience the freedom of being your sons and your daughters. Pray, Lord Jesus, even the truth which was shared this evening, O Lord, will sanctify us and separate us. And truly we will become set apart from this world. We will be truly the lighthouse in this darkness, O Lord. That we will be able to look at the church as us as individuals, as families, and as a church. And know that truly these people are a wise and understanding nation. Father, to that end, I pray that, we, that, that you will bless, O oh Lord, Father, this time of ministry. And let none of us get offended, Father, because, Lord, you love us, and therefore you chasten us to bring us back to yourself so that we can walk with you and inherit your blessing. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you.
We give you glory for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before I close as a rider, I was just reminded mm-hmm. what we said about is is the norm. Mm-hmm. It's not what we are talking about where you have abusive husbands and abusive wives. That's a different case study together. So maybe you ask that, we will answer that another day. What should I do when my husband is abusive? Whichever way, or oh, my wife is abusive, what does the Bible say?